Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 174 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, we're here to preview week number 14 in the CFL. We've got some great matchups, some rematches from the week before. We'll get into all of that here tonight. I'm Ryan Coop here this evening, joined, as always, by the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. Uh, like we were talking off there, a couple days of school, a couple days of getting my kids ready for school, but I'm ready, man. You'll enjoy this in about five and a half years when you get the little one to kindergarten, right? So, yeah, good stuff. How about you, Ryan? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. You know, it's been a busy week here myself uh, also, you know, lots of work stuff, lots of other stuff going on, but uh, always a blast getting to talk football and there's a lot of football happening right now. This is prime time if you're a football fan in the next uh, little bit because uh, the NFL kicks off this week. The CFL is in, you know, big rivalry matchups for the second week in a row. Uh, you got college football on the way as well. It's a good time to be a football fan here. Uh, we will, of course, be joined by the great Adam Stewart here this evening. Uh, he will be joining us a little bit later on. He did have some work he needed to attend to first uh so he will hop in as soon as he is ready to go uh we are live over on a variety of platforms youtube twitter twitch facebook uh all thanks to our presenting sponsor game time tv you can learn more at facebook.com slash game time tv mv you can also catch our shows every week over on the uh, game time tv youtube page um before we begin this episode, of course, as always, we want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Uh, we also want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, uh, Betstamp. Uh, there are so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices on the same games. Well, then how do you know that you're getting the best value? BetStamp makes that real easy for you by showing you the best odds for each game across a variety of different sports book affiliates. You can see which one's offering the best payout, which one's offering the better spreads, all of that fun stuff. And uh, once you pick one you like, you can uh, link it. You can link your account on that betting app directly to BetStamp to make it easy to go and make your picks through the BetStamp bet link page. You can also find and see who everybody else is picking through the commission-free marketplace. You can see our consensus picks we'll be making here on the show tonight. If you search at CF Countdown Pod, you can see Trey's picks every week, uh, Trey CF Countdown on there as well. And through BetStamp's verified bet tracking, you get the guarantee that the odds we're mentioning, that the odds we're picking on are verified and legitimate. Visit betstamp.app or download the free app from the App Store. Sign up with referral code CFC and start using Betstamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers. And remember, always bet responsibly. Do not bet the farm. Now we're going to get into talking a lot of football here tonight. But obviously, I think football has taken a bit of a backstage on a lot of people's minds with uh, some of the events going on around us for the past you know, a couple of days here, lots of stuff going on in Saskatchewan, scary events going on there, tragic losses due to uh, a spree of stabbings over in Saskatchewan, heartbreaking to see, uh, you know, our, our, our condolences and our hearts go out to all of the families and friends, you know, 
they're not just numbers. They're not just people. These are people's family. These are people, friends, acquaintances, loved ones um, that are unfortunately not coming back. And we, uh, we are very sad about this news. We're happy to see it seems to be ending at this point, you know, a, a resolution to, to the search. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, tragic events. And before we get into talking about football, we just want to take a quick moment of silence to uh, to honor the lives of uh, those who are lost by by these tragedies. And uh, yes, Adam in the chat saying thoughts for all of the families of the James Smith Cree Nation and Weldon, uh, absolutely. Well, Trey, it's hard to transition from that straight into football talk, but that's what we're here to do tonight. So let's get into it. And we're going to preview each of the four games here. We're going to uh, talk CFL fantasy. We're going to make our picks against a spread. And we'll take your comments and questions in the live chat throughout the night as well. I see a couple people in the chat already. That's great to see. Um, before we get into the games, though, we got some breaking news. I believe it was yesterday here from the CFL, from, over from the province of Saskatchewan, where the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have released defensive lineman Garrett Marino, a guy we've been talking about nonstop, it seems, for the past number of weeks for all of the wrong reasons, pretty much. Um, we talked a little bit about this on Monday as well, his recent hit on Zach Coleros. Uh, which, Trey, you said you didn't think was necessarily worth a, a, a fine, a suspension, anything like that. Your reaction to Garrett Marino getting released by the Riders, are you surprised that this happened this week? No, I'm not surprised, surprised. You know, there was a lot of um, public outcry. And <clears throat> like I said, I didn't think that specific hit was a penalty or fine, but I guess if you add up everything, you know, the guy ran out of chances, and it sounds like, I guess, Ambrosi took the next step, and it sounds like there was a letter released about him too, right? So kind of stopping him from, uh, yeah, thanks, Adam. That's um, um, saying to uh, maybe not sign this guy, because up until then, there was a lot of people thinking maybe Chris Jones would pick a guy up like this, and that wouldn't be too shocking. But, you know, you hate to see anyone's career get ended for any reason, injury or not, but, you know, he couldn't learn, and now this will learn him, right? Yeah, I, I think this is just at the, some point it's got to stop, right? Like the track record of this is there. Each week it's becoming more of a thing. And it's interesting that maybe the riders did this so quick to to jump out in front of it before another suspension came down. Like, you know, t like enough is enough. Like uh, it's a dangerous play after dangerous play. There's, uh, you know, there was obviously some uh, terrible misconducts, uh, you know, at, towards uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, a couple of, you know, racial misconducts uh, thrown around there, uh, which is just unacceptable in anything uh, sports or non-sports related. Um, got the big suspension for that, came back and still started doing stupid stuff. So, you know, if you're going to do stupid stuff, you're going to get cut. You're going to lose your job more times than not, right? If you show you're not making progress and uh, I think it was only a matter of time. And I, I've said all along, I think the riders have the pieces there to be a good football team if they can clean up the distractions. And this is distraction number one out the door here now. I don't think, you know, I don't think you could keep them in the locker room much longer going forward here. And uh, like you said, you know, it seems like maybe the CFL is putting their foot down and saying for player safety, nobody should be signing this guy, which 
uh, is a bit interesting to see that be the case and, and all the intricacies of how that's going to play out now uh, with a lot of stuff. But um, I don't know if we've seen this before, a guy really, you know, just being let go in, in the league saying, thanks for your time, see ya, uh, just due to his play on the field and nothing off field. No, yeah, I agree. Unless you want to count the racial slurs as off. Like, I mean, it was during a game, but like that, that to me was the, like, if I want to know again what was said, because that to me is did the CFL and the riders miss it then and after the Mazzoli incident? Because this is just a weird one to uh, get rid of a guy over. But, you know, you know, being at the game, there were so many bad penalties. So honestly, I wouldn't have been shocked either if he gave up another 15 on that one. And it was just, uh, yeah, I mean, the riders. Riders had that game, and they have a good chance of trying to uh, try to upset it this week, right? So uh, let's see if they get well with it. And as long as Duke Williams doesn't get a flag from wherever he's standing, even if he's going to make the trip, uh, IG Field. Well, let's get into previewing our games for this week. It starts off uh, Friday night with the BC Lions visiting the Montreal Alouettes. The big juicy storyline of this one is uh, one Vernon Adams Jr. was just recently traded from the Alouettes to the BC Lions. Now, I think it remains to be seen whether he's going to start or play this week. Uh, I believe I saw Antonio Pipkin was getting the first team reps in practice, so Maybe they keep VA out to give him a bit more time to learn the playbook here. But, hey, Pipkin, another former Alouette quarterback, I believe, uh, uh, facing his old team here, potentially in a starting role. Um, what's, the, what's the big storyline in this game for you? You've got BC coming off the bye. You've got Montreal coming off that loss to Ottawa here. What are you looking at for this game, Trey? I want to see if BC can get back with it because, yeah, before the bye – they lost to Saskatchewan, and that's the Saskatchewan team that we saw give up a lot of penalty yards and stupid things to a bomber team, right? So if BC wants to be considered uh, in the same class as, you know, Winnipeg right now with how they're playing, I think they need to start it now. And it, regardless of if it's Pimpkin or VA um, going forward, whoever it is under center, I think really needs to take this game and and, and and go with it. Because Montreal on the other side, you know, they're, they're in it. They're in it deep now. Ottawa's getting a little hot. And probably only two teams in the East are going to make it too, right? So you think Montreal and Trevor Harris has picked me up some solid fantasy points, man, in our league. Uh, I think Bat are getting me the top score this week. Uh, definitely he helped. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting one again. It's going to be one of those CFL classics where it's actually only two and a half. We'll talk about it later. BC's only favored by two and a half. And they are, are they on the road or they're on the road? So, yeah, I don't know, five and a half if it was in, in Vancouver, but ooh, it's going to be a close one, Ryan. Yeah, it, it, we're, I'm interested to see what BC looks like coming out of the bye because they were world beaters with Nathan Rourke in the lineup. Then he went down, and uh, they looked rough against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders next week. Michael O'Connor started the game, didn't perform the best, got injured. Antonio Pipkin came in, wasn't able to get a lot done either against that rider's defense and then they had the bye week to retinker with things you know so I, I i'm intrigued to see what they're gonna come out of the bye week with i still think this is a team that's so talented uh both defensively uh, i mean at wide receiver they're stacked um but they're missing some pieces like you don't have nathan rourke you don't have tj lee who's going to be out at the defensive backfield that's huge for them he is a huge mainstay and has been for many years 
So for me, uh, it's uh, a question of can we see the Lions, you know, get enough from all positions around the field to make up for the loss of Nathan Rourke? We didn't see it the first time out. Can we see it again here? I, I, I'm always, you know, the thing that sticks out to me when BC plays Montreal is just the, the time difference and the coast to coast, as close to coast to coast as you can get. You know, we've seen Eastern teams struggle coming out to BC plays. But I feel like more often than not, we see BC struggle when they come all the way out east to Montreal. So that's something I think they need to overcome here uh, for the BC Lions this week. I agree. The time travel one's an interesting one. Like you would think we're all humans. It must play a factor. But, you know, we saw Winnipeg have a tough schedule going in and out of there, too. So, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Um, I like what you're saying with that. Yeah, and then on the Montreal side, I mean, Adam's in the chat. He's saying, uh, I'm watching if there's anything that Machocha can do about the discipline. That's going to keep being the thing about the, uh, the Montreal Alouettes. We're going to talk about every time they win, probably every time they lose the rest of the season, is we're going to talk about the discipline and pinpoint probably to the one or two penalties on every loss that you don't take those. This could swing entirely in the opposite direction. I, I give Trevor Harris credit, you know, uh, like you said, he's been picking up solid fantasy points. He's been doing a decent job, which I didn't think at this point in his career, he was, should have been the number one guy Montreal goes with, but uh, he's getting it done here. But last week against Ottawa, just a rough game for them there after, you know, a couple, a couple strong ones in a row there, didn't they? Right. They, they had the win over Winnipeg. Then they had the win over Hamilton, that big last second win there. Uh, so I don't know, Montreal, I, I don't know what to make of them. And I don't think I knew what to make of them coming into the season. I think I was a little more down on them than you guys were. I said, this is a 50, 50 team that didn't inspire me much in the off season. And now I don't know, uh, you know, if they have the depth to pull it out consistently. And that's kind of what we're seeing with Montreal here at this point, isn't it? No, oh, yeah, it is. And it's just the East, man. Like, it's real hard to go with an East team anytime they play the West right now, other than what, uh, maybe if you're playing Edmonton would be the only team. And I guess how Saskatchewan's been playing, they've lost a couple against the East teams. But other than that, man, like, I don't want to be in a East team playing a West team, regardless of a home on the road. And I don't know. It's a, it, both, it's a, it's a game both teams need, unfortunately, in a nine team league, right? You know, Montreal's still in the thick of it, BC. They're only two up on Saskatchewan, you know, the difference between a home playoff game and having to go on the crossover too. We want to talk about time zones. So this is some valuable points here for them. And they're, you know, even though they're second, they're still in the wild card or crossover chase too, kind of. So it's going to be an interesting one. Good one to kick off the CFL weekend for sure. Yeah, and for uh, Montreal, I wonder, you know, what's happening at running back uh, because it seems like one week it's Jesh Renant, we get in the start, then it's Walter Fletcher, then it's back and forth between the two, then Tavian Feaster came in, but now I think he's been suspended by the team, if I remember correctly. Uh, so every week we never really know what we're going to get from them, and I, I, I got to say, they, they can't get William Stan back back fast enough. I, I believe October is rumored for potentially him coming back. If they can get him in for those final couple of the weeks, uh, that could boost them into a good spot uh, going into the playoffs. So uh, for Montreal, I think you just got to get that consistency here going forward while BC plans to, tries to get back on track with where they were at before. Uh, let's move on to game number two of the week, the first of a triple header on Saturday. I think this is our first triple header of the season. 
Are you a fan of the triple headers, Trey? Yeah, see, I, I like it in the and because I'm an NFL guy, right? So like we were saying in our group chat, you got Thursday night football on, you know, kicking off the season, pretty big game there. Then we got the Friday nighter and then a Saturday triple header and then the normal Sunday, Monday NFL, right? So I'm not a math major, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, something like five days of football right there or five days. So can't complain, can't complain. I'll take the Saturday and uh, yeah, definitely will be watching, trying to watch the Toronto Ottawa game while I'm tailgating for Banjo Bowl, right? So should be a good day. I'm actually looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't love the triple headers. Uh, I don't mind them when it's a day when I have nothing else going on or when, especially when, you know, the Bombers are playing an away game. I don't love it when it's a home game, especially like this where it's jammed in the middle because I'm missing half the game on the way to the the, the first game on the way to the game and I'm missing half the, the other game on the way home, right? So uh, I wish they could spread it out a little bit more. Uh, I kind of like the the double headers, the two Friday night, two Saturday night. I think that's ideal from a fantasy perspective as well uh, to kind of have it split up like that. Uh, but, you know, once in a while, I don't mind the triple header here. And it starts off with Toronto and Ottawa in in Ottawa. And this is a game that I am very excited to see. It's probably up there as maybe my most excited game of the week. Obviously, Banjo Bowl is going to take number one, but... Uh, this is a Toronto team that has now gutted out three of four against the Thai Cats over the past month and a bit versus an Ottawa team that seems to suddenly have life and be gaining some momentum here with back-to-back wins. So uh, what what are you looking for in this game between these two teams? Oh, boy. <laughs> I hate talking about the East still. Um, yeah, Ottawa surprised me. I think I went picked against them three or three or four times in a row, and they've burned me as of late. And... Um, I, I already I think I already went with Toronto on bet stamp today I got a little eager but yeah, it's a tough one and like we were saying like without the crossover if, if, if we want to say Montreal is going to lose to BC just with the east versus west saying this is Ottawa's game to jump on that and try to get second place and we're getting to the nitty-gritty of the season but I don't know man this is I hate east games I just struggle to watch it because it just seems so bad this year. And I really don't, I want one game where it's like, you know, a real gunslinger um, shootout kind of great football game from the East. We just haven't quite gotten that yet. And maybe uh, this battle of Ontario will get it going. Yeah. I actually don't mind East games. Like I kind of like them because, uh, because really it's anybody's game to, to, to take the division by storm if they can go on a roll. Right. So, whereas, you know, the West, it just hits different is what it is, right? Like the West, you love those games because, uh, you know, you've got these dominant forces, Winnipeg, BC, Calgary going head to head and some of these huge matchups and, uh, it's going to come down to the wire. And a lot of people are thinking the Grey Cup is going to come out of a Western team this year. So, you know, people put more stock in those. But I kind of like the East games, too, because we see these teams, you know, battling and and uh, going out there to try to, you know, win that spot, uh, that first place in the East. And once you get into the playoffs, we've seen in the CFL, anything can happen. So uh, I still actually do like these these East-East matchups. I think they're they're fun to watch here. And this one, to me, the biggest question is, okay, Ottawa's won two in a row. They've won two in a row on the road. Now they have to play a game at home again. Can they win a game at home here and finally break their streak? 
and is Nick Arbuckle the guy? You know, Nick uh, has uh, Richard in the chat says Nick the gunslinger Arbuckle. Uh, if you ask Matt Dunnigan, I'm sure he's uh, mentioning he's throwing a couple sling nasties uh, out there. Um, Arbuckle's looked pretty good the past couple of weeks. So how good was this trade for Ottawa to bring him in? Do you think uh, Do you think what we've seen the past two games is enough to uh, put you in Arbuckle's camp for possibly turning around the season here? Only because they're in the East, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if Nick Arbuckle went to the, the Rough Riders or the Elks, I don't think they're exactly – I guess he was on the Elks, wasn't he? Yeah, so anyway, like, he wasn't exactly turning anything around there, but – you know, I don't want to say the Caleros effect, but we've seen, you know, similar things. A new guy comes in and turns things around a little bit. And no, I'm not saying it's going to be the exact same thing where he's going to be like, I don't know, 19 and two or whatever Caleros is. But, you know, sometimes you just need that new guy under center. And they had the unfortunate injury with Mazzoli. I thought he was going to be a real good guy there. And then just after that, you know, it all starts with the quarterback in football and, Nick Arbuckle might not be the MOP. He might not be, you know, the flashiest quarterback in the world, but he might just be what Ottawa needs to sneak into second place, right? And, it, and this is a game to show it, you know. And Toronto, Toronto's the measuring stick, I guess, in the East, right? You would say because like they're the only one that's they're not above five hundred. Oh, they're above five hundred. Well, they're the only East team above five hundred, right? So we'll see what Ottawa can do. Yeah, Nick Arbuckle, uh, Richard, uh, in the chat asks, is the hype of Arbuckle coming out of Calgary going to finally come to fruition? That's what we've been, all been holding on to, right? His whole time in Toronto, his whole time in Edmonton was, can we see the Arbuckle that we saw in Calgary? And I think we're waiting, uh, you know, we've been waiting for him to truly get the shot to show it. And sometimes that doesn't work out. I remember a bunch of hype about James Franklin. Um, when he was with Edmonton and then he went over to Toronto, didn't really have it. And I believe he's retired now. Um, and so Nick Arbuckle's kind of in the same camp and he's been playing well the past couple of games and, and we'll see what he can string here uh, against the Argos. Uh, they did make a trade this week. Terry Williams uh, didn't handle return duties earlier in the season. He gets shipped off to the BC Lions. Forgot to mention that early earlier um that uh you know great pickup i think for bc that's a spot they've struggled with is the return game that's maybe one of the only holes on the roster for them um so i like that trade for bc and i think it makes sense for ottawa too because they brought in Devonte deadman and he's the go-to returner and uh, there's no question about that so much so that teams are just ignoring him. They're kicking the ball away from him. They're trying to kick the ball out of bounds to avoid him. That's how good the guy is. Uh, so that's quite the track record there. But uh, we uh, we go over to look at the the Toronto side of this matchup. How does how does Toronto put things together here to uh, to get the consistency going? I mean, they've they've beaten the Tie Cats in back to back weeks. It seems like you know they won by seventeen, they won by twenty. They seem like convincing victories when you look at that. But then you dive deeper into the footage and you dive deeper into the stats. It hasn't been too convincing, has it? Nah, man, and they just got to do Trey's keys. We haven't said much about Trey's keys lately, but, you know, they got that Olette guy in the backfield, and he, I think he's, is he a Harris replacement? No, but he's a very similar build, very similar kind of talent, and, and I think that you got to utilize that, and I, I want to see Pethel Thompson be the guy that, like the people that love him say he is, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, there, he has a lot of people in his camp that say he's, you know, 
definitely top tier or top second tier quarterback in the league and seems like they, he can do something in this division, but I want to see it. And um, you know what? I, I, I want to see more from Speedy B. You know, he got a nice touchdown last week. I want to see more out of him. Uh, Harris is still hurt. So hopefully if, when he comes back, like I said, Harris and Banks are going to be late October, November guys, right? They're the ones you want. I think when, um, you know, Saskatchewan comes to town in in November, right? You want those guys that keep them. Maybe maybe they don't show up on the stats necessarily, but they'll show up in the huddles. And uh, yeah, that's what I want to see Toronto start now is being that team that focuses in and stays above 500 so we can actually. So if they end up winning the Grey Cup, we're not complaining that a minus 500 team wins the Grey Cup again. <laughs> Yeah, Brennan Banks has been an up and down season. You know, even just looking at uh, his fantasy prices, I track. I, I, you know, I have a, I have charts where I track the prices uh, across every week for players. He may be the most volatile in that regard. Starting the season at like six thousand and something dollars, all the way down to uh, just above twenty five hundred. Then he had one decent week, put a touchdown up. They immediately vaulted him up to five thousand again, based on his track record. Big game last week. Now I think he's somewhere at sixty at six thousand again. So uh, Banks has been up and down. Seems like he's been one of the go-to guys uh, in that offense in the past couple of weeks. They have so many weapons. Like Brandon Banks is good. Devaris Daniels is good. Markeith Ambles, great. Curly Gittins Jr. I think is one of the top Canadian receivers in the game. Uh, like they have so many weapons available. It just seems like one of those things where good on paper, average when they, they hit it out on the field, right? And if the defense, the, the big question mark for me is how long can the defense keep forcing turnovers like they have the past couple of weeks? You know, can Jamal Peters get another two interceptions again and make that seven and two, three games? If he can, that's going to bode well for them. And uh, if they can throw Arbuckle off his game and we'll see how oh, Apple East then can manage the game if they fall behind early here for the Red Blacks in that one. So uh, Toronto heading to Ottawa here. Big matchup that uh, could have some implications here in the East Division. We move on to uh, game number three, the second of the doubleheader on Saturday. Or should we come back to this one uh, and wait and see if Adam shows up? Yeah, well, let's go to the finale and then we'll bump back to this one. All right, we're going to go over to the Calgary Stampeders visiting the Edmonton Elks, the rematch of the Battle of Alberta from the week before. Uh Last week, surprised, I think, a lot of people with how close it was till the end. Calgary won that one by eight points. They didn't cover the spread on that one, uh, unfortunately, um, for those of us who picked them to. Uh, I never, another game where, what are we going to get out of Chris Jones' squad here for the Edmonton Elks? Last week, you looked at their roster. It looked razor thin. Like There wasn't anything there, but... They delivered a solid performance there, one we hadn't seen in the previous two meetings against Calgary. So uh, do you think maybe there's something to go off of from last week and there's momentum here for, for Jones's crew? Or is this uh, it, it was that a flash in the pan, as they say, and uh, they could be in tough here uh, against Calgary? I think they'll be in against Calgary. I think it was Labor Day shenanigans early on. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of similar to the game we're going to talk about next, where, you know, seventeen. You know what I mean? Like I think it was just Labor Day shenanigans where the the road team underdog was up, and then yeah, and then Calgary just Calgaried. You know what I mean? Even without Bo Levi, they're just you know they're still Calgary. You know, same coaching and 
lot of same other players. They're not out. They're not out of it. I, you know, in a way, I'm almost come playoff time. I'd almost be more scared of Calgary in a way because you know they've been there a little bit more than BC has, other than other than Winnipeg as of late. So you know, I think I think the Stampeders are going to come in on uh, on Saturday and just do what they do. And what did Edmonton finally get a win at home, right? Or no, they're still winless at home too, right? So, you know, we want to play stats and statistics. I think uh, Calgary is going to keep them winless at home, honestly. Might not cover the spread of nine, but I think Calgary should win it. Who do you think's more likely to end their home losing streak this week? Ottawa at home to Toronto or Edmonton at home to Calgary? Ottawa. Ottawa, I'll give Ottawa because it's just the dumpster fire of the East. I mean... I know it's the, the second half of the Labor Day here for Alberta, but mm, I think Ottawa, with the momentum they're on, they should break it. And Edmonton, they're not really on momentum. Yeah, they had a good first half, but you really want to say Saskatchewan has momentum for a first good half? No, I think they're going to be deflated. And I think that team's just the East and Edmonton's going to slowly just kind of fizzle out here. Yeah, Edmonton for me at this point is a team that I'm I'm looking at what next year is going to bring and what they're planning to do for next year. And, you know, I, I honestly, as much as you don't want to see a guy go down with injury, and I think, they're, I think their season's pretty much done. Their hopes of the playoffs are pretty short at this point. But I wonder if in an odd way this injury to Kenny Lawler is a blessing in disguise for the Elks because are they going to go out there and be able to spend $300,000 to bring him back for another season if, you know, with the roller coaster that is Chris Jones, he doesn't necessarily see a plan in place for the team, right? It's hard, I think, for players to, to buy in and see a plan in place with Chris Jones. So, you know, if you're not spending that money, now you're getting to look at some of the other guys. And we saw a couple last week have some big games. Like Dylan Mitchell was a, a breakout player at wide receiver last week. You know, Jalen Marshall also caught a nice touchdown. Kevin Brown, I would argue, was maybe looking like the best running back they've had on their roster since uh, James Wilder Jr. earlier in the season. So I, I think there are some young pieces, much like we saw down the stretch last season for Edmonton, that that's now basically what games are about for me. It's seeing who they, uh, you know, who they put in there, who's shining and who's potentially making this uh, this carousel for next year here uh, for Edmonton. Uh, we did get news that Trey Ford is back practicing this week for the Elks. Cornelius hasn't been too bad. He's been putting up some decent numbers. He hasn't, you know, really shined on the stats sheet necessarily the past couple of weeks. So how are you managing the quarterback position for Edmonton going forward here? Are you, are you leaving Cornelius as the starter and throwing Ford in for some packages here? Or as soon as he's healthy, do you give him a chance to start thinking he's your QB of the future? Uh, how do you see this for Edmonton? Uh, have your quarter ready. You know, that's what I would do, right? Flip the coin. I guess. Um, no, they'll probably go with Cornelius. And I think that they, the smart thing is to do is to ease Trey Ford because I think he's the guy next year, right? There's nothing wrong with him holding a clipboard and doing package plays. And you don't want to hurt him again. And and Cornelius is a big guy. I'm not too worried about him getting hurt. So I think I'd go with him if I was Chris Jones, but I don't want to promise that I know what Chris Jones would do, right? Right. Uh, well, Adam has entered the studio, so let's bring him in here. The great Adam Stewart is joining us for the rest of the show. Good evening, Adam. How are you today? Well, besides running around with a combine in the middle of downtown traffic in uh, small town Saskatchewan, 
ah, not bad. Uh, yeah, no. Sorry, guys, again. I guess I got to pay the fine for uh, late to uh, the meeting. So I'm sure there's a team fine coming towards me, but you know what? I have to take it. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, been a bit a bit of a challenging harvest so far. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of why I'm late. Sorry to everybody, and uh, hope we can carry on here. You're a busy guy. We understand you're doing you're doing a lot of hard work to to help feed the nation there, Adam. So we appreciate all you do, uh, especially during this busy harvest time. Uh, well, let's talk about the other side of this matchup here, the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, Adam, let's start with you here. What do you what do you think of this uh, this rematch for Calgary? Maybe a less convincing win last week than we thought they'd have. Uh, how do they follow that up this week? Well, I think they need to get uh, Kamar Jordan going. I don't know how they could do it. They've only got really one piece that they've been aiming at a lot. And Jake Mayer has been using uh, uh, Malik Henry essentially as his main guy, the main receiver. And he's starting to look him down a little bit. So he's got to get some of these other receivers going, whether it be Richie Sindani, whether it be Kamar Jordan, uh, Luther Hirakulu, I think, I hope I said that right. I probably didn't, but that's all right. Not even close. Not Not even close. close. All right. Well, that guy. (laughs) So they got to get some uh, receivers going here. They've got the run game right now going. It sounds like they might even get some offensive line help later on here in October, uh, if all pans out. Uh, Apparently, compared to a three-down nation report, uh, Brett Jones is looking to maybe possibly go to Calgary. And if he does, that's a big, big ad for a Stampeders team that could sure use some uh, help in the O-line, uh, even though they got a pretty fair O-line already. But uh, no, what I'm looking for is to see what Jake Mayer does this week. I want to see him make more passes to more and spread out that ball, just like his uh, predecessor used to do, spread his ball out out to all his receivers instead of just looking down Malik Henry. I think it's the big thing I'm looking at against the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, Trey, what are you looking at against the Stamps? You've seen them three times this year. Yeah, they need to start winning some of those close games against the top top teams, and that's not this week, unfortunately. But going forward, you know, this is a good tune-up game, I guess, to get them going in the right direction. And like, like you said, you want to see the quarterback spread the ball around. You definitely still want to run it, but you can't, you know, I don't know if you want to give that guy 20, 30 touches and just ignore your receivers because they have a pretty good receiving core in Calgary too, right? And so I just, yeah, pretty much everything Adam said. He's a smart guy. He's been thinking about this in the combine all day. Anything to not talk about Banjo Bowl, right? We'll just keep talking about this one. Yeah, pretty much. Right. The the thing I'm intrigued about for Calgary here is the usage of Peyton Logan. What's that going to look like this week? Because they used him really effectively against the Bombers in that uh, kind of swap him in for Kadeem Carey here and there, you know, use him as an explosive second running back. And a lot of people expect them to do the same last week, but they didn't really. He uh, only got in for two carries for zero yards, wasn't involved in the passing game, and he got in for, you know, he still did his punt returns and stuff. I think they have something good going. I want to see teams more effectively as, as aggravating as that is for fantasy. You know, I was doing my NFL fantasy draft last night and a big thing with it, right? It appears to be teams using multiple running backs in different roles. You know, you got your regular running back, you got your passing down running back, you got your goal line, third down running back, like different uses. I want to see a team do more of that in the CFL. I want to see, you know, Kadeem Carey be your workhorse kind of guy 
But then you get Peyton Logan involved as that, you know, dump it down uh, halfback there. Just like A.J. Olette, you know, is more involved in the passing game than the rushing game, it seems, for the Argos. So that's the thing I'm kind of watching here is how they use Peyton Logan this week for Calgary. Because if they can use them both, boy, it's going to be hard to stop that run game. And then that opens a lot of things up for getting guys like Kumar Jordan going there. Uh, let's move on to talk about the, the the big game here for the three of us, the Banjo Bowl over in Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. I think Trey's pulling – no, I thought you were maybe pulling out a banjo there when you leaned over. Uh, yeah. does, I thought he might have borrowed something for Troy Westwood, but nope, apparently not. Nah, man. Nah, I'm going to keep it civil tonight, boys. You're, you're not <laughs> even going to go grab his helmet with, like, the one bar across? I mean, that was just a legendary helmet. Oh, that was so awesome. That's so awesome. I miss Westy, man. That, the worst part about them canning TSN radio here was no more Westy, man. You Honestly. know, the funniest uh, story that I have about uh, Troy Westwood was one time he came to Saskatchewan to do football night in Saskatchewan. Yes, Troy Westwood came over to do our uh, uh, little thing for, by, for the small town that I'm from. And the first thing he said was, well, usually I only come on stage in Saskatchewan when the forks and the knives are taken off the stage. And just, just an incredible guy and just a funny guy. And man, he could keep a crowd entertained for hours if he really tried. So I joke you not. I saw a game in Hamilton and he went wide right three or four times, including extra points when they were close. So yeah, he's a legend. Well, we had Paul McCallum at that point, And, you know, I, I think he got some free fertilizer after a while for what he did until he came back again afterwards. I hear it helps the harvest over there. Uh, um, uh, yeah, Trey, Troy Westwood, uh, you know, uh, coined the term the Banjo Bowl. And here we are many years later. And it's uh, one of the most hyped up games on the schedule. This one sold out real quick. It's going to be a sold out crowd here in Winnipeg. Uh, many weeks before the game was it already sold out, which is fantastic to see. The atmosphere at this game is different than any other Bombers home game. Uh, you know, the crowd's going to be loud, um, and it's going to be a fun football game here. And I, I'm in, I want to know what Saskatchewan's going to do here coming into Winnipeg. You know, this is an offense that took two time count penalties in its own barn last week. Now they come in facing the, the loud away crowd. You know, Trey, Trey you talked about, uh, I think Monday night about all the audibles that Saskatchewan's offense calls. Uh, what do you think of, uh, of Saskatchewan's offense here coming into the rematch uh, after it seems like they've gotten better the past couple of weeks? Yeah, unless they got good hand signals, they're not going to do many audibles this weekend with the crowd noise. If it's anything like what Saskatchewan dished out, and the two stands are pretty close. So, you know, I think Fajardo needs to get the message across in the in the huddle and on the sidelines and, you know, get the guys focused, you know. We want to talk about stupidity, guys getting cut and other guys who aren't allowed to be on the side of the field. But there were some guys on the field still making stupid penalties, right? So they got to cl clear that down. And what, they have like two or three offsides and time counts? You shouldn't have that at home. So if you have that at home and you're going into, uh, you know, <laughs> this game, you're uh, – I can't remember what number we're at because we did that stupid count thing worth the procedures. But we'll definitely get a few on the – on Saturday if Saskatchewan's discipline still the same. But I want to see that pistol formation. I was really I'm really in love with that formation. That's my favorite formation ever. And if they keep doing it, they um 
they owned the defense early on. That's why they were up 17 nothing last week. That's why I thought the game was over after the first quarter because I'm like, well, just keep giving it to Hickson, right, and just keep doing that same counter play. And once in a while, they do a sweep out of the formation. They were just owning with that formation. They should just hurry up the whole game and do that formation like a college game, man, because they were just running over the Bombers' defense. And I think that's the two keys of them winning this one and doing the opposite switch because usually, you know, they win Labor Day, but next time they might steal Banjo Bowl. They got to run it and stop doing those stupid penalties. And, and you know, Fajardo danced out. Like, how many times did he escape pressure? And, you know, I I, I, I won't say that uh, – I wouldn't bet against Willie Jefferson and Jeff Coat and those guys letting that happen again, right? I'll take the bet that they're going to get to him a few more times on Saturday because they're going to watch film. They're going to figure out how what they did wrong, but – Fajardo keeps dancing like that, man. He can maybe steal one here in uh, in Winnipeg. Adam? Well, what I'm looking for is two things in Saskatchewan. You're right. The penalties have to stop in Saskatchewan, no matter if it's illegal procedure, if it's offsides, if it's holding, especially holding. That one just kills us all the time. And any momentum that we have going instantly turns the other way. And usually it's always in second down when we end up getting a first down. Oh, look, there's the holding call. So that one really has to stop in Saskatchewan. I mean, the other shenanigans, I mean, let's face it, we've we've gotten rid of a point. We made a point this week of getting rid of somebody that pretty much puts a point out to the team. These, these stuff is going to stop or we're going to get rid of you. And in this case, it's probably pointed more towards Duke Williams that says, hey, and apparently they did talk and they did sit down and say, look, we're getting rid of one guy. You could go down the road just as easy, probably, is what the wording was to uh, probably Duke Williams, from what I've heard. Uh, this being said, I want to see how they can continue. You're right. The pistol formation was working excellent for a long time there. Jason Moss just decided, you know what? I'm tired of this. I want to do something else. I don't know if that was the case or what it was. But you know what? That's one thing I want to see. I want to see the confidence also in Cody Fajardo. After making that interception, I want to see what happens because that, again, if you take a look at that one, that was a makeable pass. Uh, that tells me that maybe Cody's getting a little less confident again. And with the injuries this week, I know Logan Furland has been on the injury chart. I believe that uh, Josiah St. John's on the injury chart. And even Logan Bandy is on the injury chart right now. All three of those guys are hurt. Yeah, geez, I don't want to be Cody Pichardo right now. Uh, so I'm interested to see a few things. Frankie Hickson, I want to see him running again. Duke Williams looks like he might be back. Uh, he's limited in practice today, but uh, should be back hopefully for Labor Day, or for Banjo Bowl, sorry. Uh, and it'll be very interesting. You're right, Trey. Illegal procedure and with a bunch of crowd noise coming in, <laughs> that's not a really good combination. Uh, so, you know, illegal procedures, Richard in the chat asked, what's the over-under on how many calls there'll be? I'm going to go with four right now. I'll put the number four. What do you guys think? Over or under? I was, was going to say four and a half. So I'll take, but I'll take the under, or I'll take the over. I think uh, for both teams or just Saskatchewan. Ah, uh, you know what? For both teams, both so teams take... no, def definitely over then because I think even watch the Bombers. Uh, there's a couple close one. There was one they should have had, but they got the timeout in time, and you know things like that. I'll say over. Right? Are we including time counts in this? Like the stat? Oh, it's a legal procedure. Oh, just illegal procedures. I'll take the under. I don't know. I don't think we see too many of those each game. I would know because I see the count racking up on the scoreboard, which you alluded to earlier, Trey, which to me is the dumbest statistic I have ever seen that at every Bombers home game, anytime a time count or a, an illegal procedure is called, 
They they go and tally up the number we have forced since twenty since the stadium opened in twenty thirteen as a sign of being the CFL's loudest fans. When have you ever heard a stat in the last nine years we have forced exactly this many? Like, you know, though Ryan, I was gonna say in Saskatchewan we've done that since old oh, the old stadium. I'm sure we used to do that as well as go and mark them off every time that uh, we would either go and rattle Buck Pierce or go rattle another quarterback. So. You know, it's, it's not just Winnipeg, but uh, yeah, yeah I, had, I don't you, get it either. You guys had, I think it was your season one I saw on Sunday. I think it was up to nine or something. And then I was like, well, you guys have nine this year. But like Ryan said, we we're in the hundreds <laughs> for since whatever, 2014. So, I mean, it's a good penalty because it the fans do help get it a little bit, right? I mean, there are stupid calls where... Obviously, the guy's not mentally focused, but also when you have 35,000 fans of the other team screaming at you, you know, there was a couple brutal offsides on both sides and stuff like that. So it is, it, I, I get it. It's kind of an artificial uh, one, but I don't know. I like it, when, especially when I, especially if I've had a few drinks, I really like cheering when that stat comes up. Oh, I just cheered what? ironically at this point. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to bring up because uh, I think we're going to go to Winnipeg next. Uh, Guys, there's a big injury uh, that occurred for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Tad Hansen has got an Achilles injury, so I'll presume that he's probably done for season at the look of things. Uh, the other one also that I see is on the injury chart is Adam Big Hill is limited in practice as well. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the Winnipeg defense there, Ryan? Yeah, if Adam Big Hill is not able to go, that's huge because I don't know if we've seen him miss really any games over the past couple of years in Bombers uniform. He's that mainstay in the middle of the defense. Can't think of any extended time that he's missed here uh, for Winnipeg. Maybe a game or two here and there rested down the stretch. But uh, yeah, he's the mainstay there. This is a defense that... I'm back and forth on like uh, they they've been doing a good job, especially in the fourth quarter of shutting teams down. You know, they've gotten it done when they needed to the most, but I think they haven't been as big of a spark as they were last year. Like we're, we're seeing a lot of times, you know, the defense not really getting there. Like, yeah, they put up three sacks last week uh, on the riders, but you had BC put up seven in a loss the week before. So uh, I think we've seen them take a bit of a step back there, you know, they still force their turnovers, but it seems like you can't force a turnover unless somebody's tipped the ball along the way. Uh, every turnover is like that. And uh, Trey, I know, I know you love the the Bombers' uh, pass defense, uh, the way they they play that defense right now. So uh, I'll leave it to you to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'm hoping that the Big Hill, just to touch on it, maybe one of those like veteran precaution things. You know, he doesn't exactly a guy that needs practice during the week, but you never know. It could be more. And Hanson, I think that one's going to hurt. I don't want to say more, but in a different way, because I believe he's on the D line, right? So he circle or he cycles in with Jefferson and Jeff Coat and those other guys. So, you know, I feel like that's going to push put a little bit more on those guys who like ryan said has been underperforming right so it could make or break the team does those do those two guys uh step up a little bit here with you know not knowing maybe they have a little bit more field time or whoever now is the backup or the third or fourth guy in that rotation must uh step up but man this bend not break defense is just so irritating and I just don't understand how they keep winning with it, you know, and they get so like they, they, they get lucky. They get the penalties at the right time. They get an offensive pass interference or 
guys chirping on the bench and and stuff like that. You know, so I I I would like to see the Bombers and their defense specifically, you know, stop winning by two points. You know what I mean? Like stop putting the game on legs here. And um, you know, it's good to have a guy who can you know we know can make a fifty not fifty five yarder with wind. You know, but still you don't need to be testing that out quite yet but i guess at the same time he's a young guy and he's getting the experience but I, I think they need to tighten up a little bit i'm getting really tired of the zone defense man and it's just i don't know it's again when you have a team like calgary and bc and maybe saskatchewan if they pick it up a little bit here come later in the year that zone defense and it's going to get tougher to cover with the zone defense when it's cold and you gotta you know so one thing you might slip and we've seen that a couple of guys pull some uh pull some muscles chasing guys down. Well, that's probably going to be similar uh, in Mosaic in November and IG field in November. Right. So they got to tighten some things up, man. I don't know. I don't know. Does man not work? Cause I feel like a lot of teams do zone in the CFL. Is it the big field? Probably. What do you think, Ryan? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Especially the bombers. I notice it more than most teams is it's that, yeah, you know, a bit off the ball, a bit off your man, you know, let him make the catch and force him out. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll let him march 80 yards down the field and then hope we get that red zone turnover or that stop we need seems to be the motto for this team. And it has been with Richie Hall's defense for many, many years. And I'm with you. I, I hate Ben, but don't break defense. Like, yeah, the Bombers have won games. Yeah, it's been huge for them here uh, at times. But it's so scary to watch a game down the stretch when your team needs to close it out. And all of a sudden, the other team just starts marching down the field of open receiver, quick out, pass after pass after pass, just eating up the yards. And, you know, as long as they get the stop at the end of the day, that's great. But it's not great on, my, you know, my heart rate uh, watching that. And so, yeah, I want to see them be a little more aggressive on the ball there as well. Um, you know, maybe it's something that the team is well-rounded enough, I think, that they overcome that, but they just overcome that, I think. And that's what we've seen all year. Like, I don't know, I can't really think of any big convincing victories this season. There's the one over BC, which ironically, the game against BC, who is one of the top teams in the league as well, is probably their most convincing win. Maybe it's, I think they had a good one against Hamilton as well. But other than that, it's been a lot of close victories where it's been up in the air, and then it's, we've been waiting for that fourth quarter lockdown to get it done. So I want to see a more convincing win out of the Bombers. And one guy in particular I have my eye on in this matchup this week is Dalton Schoen, who seems to have you know tore up the start of the season here. Now the past couple of weeks, he's kind of taken a back seat. Now when I say that, he still had two touchdowns in his last three games, but uh, two catches apiece in each of the past few. It seems like Nick Dembski is now trending back towards being the number one go-to guy in this offense. So what do you think, Trey, quickly here? Is this the case of is Schoen just getting extra covered now that he wasn't early in the season? Are the Bombers altering the game plan and using him as a distraction? Or what, what do we think of the usage of Dalton Schoen? I guess both. Like, I think, you know, you, you get a guy who comes into the league now and <clears throat> yeah, he's not, he's I think top six or seven, seven or six on receiving. And yeah, he's tied for touch receiving touchdowns with uh, rhymes at nine. And the next highest guy is uh, Malik Henry at six. Right. So those two guys are lighting it up in the, in the end zone. You gotta, you might have to like be, have man to man to him. And then that opens up some things. I saw 
while Ortarski gets some big catches, he's you know he's a he's got some sure hands, man. I'm actually surprised he's kind of like I understand the the why uh, why he's in the position he is because he's Canadian. He's that outside receiver uh, and stuff, but you know he can play anywhere. I think he he's a sneaky guy. And then you got you know Bailey and um, McCray and the guy and then Damsky. Like let's talk about you know ex Rough Rider in Manitoba. It always seems to light it up against Saskatchewan, right? So. <clears throat> I don't know. I think I'm okay with it. And he's still got some big catches. He's still got some big plays and you're going to have that, right? You know, we kind of see that with Lawler uh, before he went down, you know, not, you know, not the greatest as plays as we've known. And when guys start making a name for themselves, right, you're going to have to cover them. Right, Adam? You betcha. But, you know, I'm looking at Saskatchewan's uh, receiving core, and this might be the first week, if Duke Williams is in the roster, that the Riders have their full offensive uh, weapons all on the field at the same time. Uh, you got Duke Williams. He's been, well, we know what Duke can do. Uh, we also know what he shouldn't do, but that's a different story for a different time. Uh, we also got Mitchell Picton back. He has been a pretty good, uh, solid Canadian receiver for us. Justin McKinnis is going to be a backup probably because you got Keon Schaefer Baker, who's been just absolutely great. Also, uh, to the owners of Kraft Products, Take Keon Schaefer Baker's name and go and put on Schaefer Bake, and we can have one heck of a good marketing plan. Just in case anybody marketing is planning this out, uh, Shaq Evans is back. Uh, Kyron Moore is back. Those are two massive pieces. If this Rough Riders receiving core can stay all together and stay healthy, there ain't nobody that's going to touch them, even if Winnipeg has a very good uh, receiving core of their own with Dalton Schoen and, like you say, Drew Lewala-Katarski, who can make EA-style Madden glitch catches at any point at any time, as much as I'd like to forget that one. Anyways, no, that's uh, I think that, like I said, both teams have got really good receiving cores. I think probably Ottawa's me, or Ottawa, Winnipeg has probably the better uh, quarterback situation right now. Saskatchewan, I think, is better in the receipt running back thing. Clearly, the offensive line is better on Winnipeg's side. Uh, that's without a doubt. And the defense, I think, is almost a split, maybe advantage Winnipeg slightly. So, to me, this should be a pretty good game. Uh, the only problem I've got is it's in Winnipeg. Traditionally, Saskatchewan and the Banjo Bowl has not been pretty. Uh, as much as usually the Labor Day game is not pretty for Winnipeg, this is not our pretty game. So, we'll see what happens here. Ryan? What else can we say about this one? I think that's it on this one for now. We'll get into some of the rest of it as we talk about fantasy, as we talk about our picks later on in the show here as well. But let's move on to talk some CFL fantasy here uh, and take a look at our matchups for this week to start. Uh, then the CFL podcast fantasy league, the three of us are playing in against other uh, CFL podcasters out there. You can follow along with all of it at CFL pod fantasy on Twitter uh, this week, you guys have some tough matchups here. It's uh, the Canadian Football Countdown going head-to-head -head with the Turf District. As uh, Adam, you've got Andrew from the Turf District. You're at 7-5 and five facing him. He's 9-3. and three. And Trey, you're at 7-6 and six facing uh, Superfan Mike at 9-3 and three here. Me, I'm on the bye week. I got my playoff spot clinched. I'm on the bye week just giving y'all a chance to catch me. So uh, big week, though. Big matchups. I'm still here. I'm still ready to talk fantasy picks for this week. And uh, let's go out and get some wins here against the Turf District, guys. Uh, it'd be great to see. And let's see what we can do as we talk 
about I'll be honest uh andrew is like i know how mike is usually your kryptonite uh there uh ryan my kryptonite has always been andrew i don't know what it is but andrew always seems to get me once or twice every year in a fantasy bet uh, in a fantasy situation i get always close to him but i can never pass him so i'm very nervous about this week trey what do you know about mike Absolutely nothing, boys. I go into every week blind. Uh, the only week I had any kind of scouting is uh, BB Ryan because he always plays Calgary. Other than that, these guys are all uh, dark horses to me, man. But that's the way I like it, you know. Ah, man, I'm just top eight. That's all I'm looking for right now, top eight. And then as long as I make it farther than Ryan, I am uh, call that season a success. Uh, yes, four weeks left to go in the regular season before we get into playoffs here. Top eight teams make it. We're currently all in playoff spots, so we'll try to keep that going here going forward. Let's take a look at our uh, fantasy options for the week and start at the quarterback position here. Cody Fajardo, the most expensive one who's going to play at 95 69 all the way down to the cheapest, potentially being Antonio Pipkin if he does indeed start at 56-64. This is one where you have to check the depth charts, of course, to see who's starting for BC this week. Could it be uh, Vernon Adams? Could it be Antonio Pipkin? Uh, Michael O'Connor, what's his injury status? He's not listed as out on the injury report. We'll have to wait for that depth chart coming out Thursday, so make sure you check that. But Tough week of quarterback for me. I hate the weeks where it's the doubleheaders, where it's rematches of the week before. I feel like this is a blessing in disguise for me to have the bye week this week, to not have to worry about these. But, of course, still want to put up a big total. Honestly, the guy I'm looking at is Taylor Cornelius at 87.02 is kind of my leading pick right now. I want to see if Trey Ford gets in uh, and what that means for it. But this is a thing where people need to separate your opinions of a football team that has, what, three wins on the season and a quarterback that nobody regards highly as one capable of winning football games for them and a guy who's a fantasy stud. And of all the starters this week, Taylor Cornelius has the highest average on the season. He has the highest average in the last three games, and he was the highest scoring quarterback last week. So uh, he makes plays with his legs. He gets, uh, you know, Edmonton, if they fall behind, they're going to be in a passing situation. And Calgary's got one of the worst passing defenses in the league. So uh, a lot of people are down on Taylor Cornelius and the Elks, but and I know they've got a thin group at wide receiver, but even then he still put up 19.9 last week. So he's my leading candidate this week at quarterback. Uh, what are you guys looking at? Adam, you were making some faces as I was saying that. You don't, You don't like this pick. Where are you going? Yeah, I'm just not sure why Taylor Cornelius. I'm just like, like I took him once, and I mean, he won me in the thing against Safamod last uh, two weeks ago. But I just don't know if I like him against the Calgary defense that's uh, pretty darn good. But you know what? That being said, he does seem to stick in there for the running plays on third and goal, uh, or being on the one yard line. It usually is Taylor Cornelius in the backfield. So okay, makes a little sense. I'm going to pick one of the BC quarterbacks i don't know which one yet i want to see what this depth chart looks like i'm really hoping that vernon adams is on the depth chart because to me he's playing his old team he might just want to go and absolutely uh roast him just for just for going into doing that trade so to me i like vernon adams michael o'connor i'm a little more questionable about it. and if it's antonio pipkin he's cheap 
But I think right now I'm leaning VA. If he doesn't work, I might have to change my roster a bit and take Jake Mayer. But uh, we'll see what happens here. I'm I'm really looking at Verdon Adams so right now. Trey? No, I like the Verdon Adams. Uh, I just I stayed away from, away from him for now just because of uh, not sure if he's starting. I'm going to go the other side of that game. I'm going to go with the guy that's helped me catch up a little bit in our other fantasy league. I'm going to go with Trevor Harris, man. And uh, we'll see. He's put up some decent fantasy points for me, like I said, the last couple of weeks in our other leagues. So I'll ride with him. Uh, we'll see about VA, though. If he does make the top uh, number one starter, I might consider that uh, that switch. Also, Ryan, I just wanted to add one more thing here real quick. I don't want to take Taylor Cornelius because whenever I play it, uh, play an op- opponent that their quarterback and I take their quarterback, I end up losing badly. So I can't take the Edmonton quarterback this week. That's pretty much my uh, now a superstition for me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you mentioned Trevor Harris. Yeah, he's had a good average, seventeen point one in his last three games, and a uh, big thing for him could be that TJ Lee is out on the defensive back for, field for the BC Lions here. Uh, other guy I, I may take if I need need to save some cash here. Maybe take a chance on Nick Arbuckle at sixty three fifteen. That's still pretty cheap for a starting quarterback. He put up nineteen last week. He's averaged twelve point four. You want to hit full value, you're probably looking around 15, 16 points out of him. The matchup with Toronto, I don't love. I think they've shut things down pretty well with the defensive backfield. But uh, Arbuckle potentially, you know, getting on the same page with some of his receivers here has looked good the past couple weeks. Can he do it again this week? Uh, Let's take a look at running backs for this week. Uh, Kadeem Carey is by far the most expensive starting running back. He's almost $2,000 more than James Butler. He's at $92.26. All the way down to your cheapest uh, starter is probably, I would assume, going to be Kevin Brown of the Edmonton Elks. Again, you got to check the depth charts. I believe Ante Milanovic Litre was the starter last week. Uh, Brown ended up coming in in that game, taking over, and he looked pretty good. He put up 15.6 points in that game. He's around $4,000 there. Uh, Kadeem Carey is always tempting. The Elks don't have a great run defense. He is a workhorse. He put up 18.8 last week and has been averaging almost 19 points a game in his past few weeks and has a good average on the season as well. Uh, but I also really like a lot of the cheaper options around that $4,000, $5,000 price. I like the pick of Kevin Brown. The only thing is if I'm going Cornelius, do I want to go too heavy on Edmonton Elks here? Uh, but if he's a running back that they're going to use in the passing game and he had a good rushing average, I kind of like that. Uh, the obvious one to me is Frankie Hickson of the Riders. If they don't stop giving him the ball, he should light up your the fantasy totals again this week. And even if they do, I think he has the potential at a low $4,300 to still put enough to make up your week. You're not going to fall too far behind. Uh, and then also A.J. Oletta at 5088. Uh, two of the last three games have been good. He's gotten involved in the passing game. One in there was a dud, but that's what you want from a running back, a guy who's going to catch the ball because that's an extra point for the point per reception on that, right? So looking at kind of these three guys here in the middle uh, potentially, but also looking at Greg McRae, who is now backlisted as a running back. They can't decide what to do with him. Last week he was the last two weeks he was wide receiver. Now he's back at running back, but chances are he's starting at slot back again this week. So 
$3,500 for a wide receiver to fill your running back spot, potentially a good play there. I've thrown a lot of options out here. Uh, let's go to you first here, Trey. Any of these same guys you've got your eyes on or are you going somewhere else? Yeah, I took Olette and I threw McCray in my flex. So just, you know, he's safe either way. Um, the other guy I put, Oliveira. I'm hoping that the Bombers run a little bit more. I know I got the two kind of running, two of the running backs in Winnipeg, but I think McCray will be more of a receiver, uh, kind of like how he's been used. So, uh, yeah, Olette and Oliveira are my running backs. Adam? Right now, I'm looking at Frankie Hickson just because if, uh, especially if Adam Big Hill is hurt, that's going to be a big hole right down the middle with uh, Hanson and Big Hill gone. So that would be a huge thing for uh, the Rough Riders. Uh, the other one I'm looking at is Greg McRae, uh, just because he may play in the slot. He might play over and running back. He might play anywhere. You never know where it could be. He looks like a pretty good option as well. Uh, I'm going to go and throw a little bit of uh, water to Ronya Ryan on the uh, pickup for Kadeem Carey. Uh, the reason being is you don't know what Peyton Logan's going to do. If they're going to play him a little bit or if they're going to move him around, it's a very kind of, to me, it's a little bit of a risky play because of the money you're spending on a guy that could possibly only play half a game. Uh, that being said, he's not a bad pickup though. I mean, he's a great court, uh, running back. It's just how much are they going to actually use him? So right now for me though, Frankie Hickson and, uh, Greg McRae, I might switch McRae as well, depending on exactly what's going on. Uh, with some of the injuries for Winnipeg. Yeah, that that's a very valid concern with Kadeem Carey, and that's why I'm more leaning towards those cheaper guys, is that's a lot of salary to sink in. I, I mean, I, I feel like you're almost guaranteed a, a touchdown at least from him and some usage from him, a, a solid usage from him, but that you got to get 23 points. That's a tough hit to sell if Peyton Logan's going to get that much use. And uh, Richard in the chat says, how is Logan that expensive? Yeah, backup running back returner, Peyton Logan at 62-25. I'm staying away. I don't care if he's averaged 10.2 in his last three games. I'm not banking on a backup running back who is not consistently every week getting getting the usage here to deliver me uh, over 15 points. Uh, let's look at wide receiver here. Uh, those watching the video feed, I've got the charts up on the screen. We'll scroll through them, and I'll get you guys to tell me first who you're leaning at wide receiver. Uh, let's go right back to you here, Adam. Uh, what have you got at uh, receiver this week? Well, so far, I've got a little bit of rider in there. I've got a little bit of Ottawa, and i got a little bit of BC. I'm looking at Braden Lenius. Uh, for the Rough Riders last week, didn't have as much of a game as I thought he was going to. He's got a whole week under him now of uh, getting more used back to that Rough Rider uh, playbook. So I think he's going to probably be one of those guys that could just have a pretty good game this week. Another guy that I'm looking at this week is Darvin Adams for the Ottawa Red Blacks. I think that there is something there with him and Nick Carbuckle. I hope there's something there because I kind of am going to rely on him to get me some points as well. Uh, most times, if you guys know me, I don't go very much with Ottawa players. This week, for some reason, I just got a funny feeling that Darvin Adams is going to have a pretty good game. Uh, the last one that I'm looking at right now is with the BC Lions, and this might change. I don't know about this one as much. Uh, it's actually uh, Dominic Rhymes of the BC Lions that I'm looking at. He's probably going to be uh, one guy that if uh, Vernon Adams is in there, probably has a little bit of chemistry with him, maybe a little bit. And I just hope that somehow he can make it work. Very expensive, but if he can get going, he might be a guy looked upon 
for that open receiver downfield. So, Trey, who do you think? I'm going to take two guys that I hope to see be uh, playing a lot of banjos on Saturday. My first one, I'm going to go with Dalton Schoen, man. I think I went with him every week. And, uh, yeah, he's had a couple slow weeks, but you never know when he might break it. And the next guy, oh, boy, if I have to hear shake and bake anymore, at least I'm going to get some fantasy points from him. I'm going to take Shaper Baker. They uh, He had some good plays against the Bombers, and then, like Saskatchewan, they stopped doing the things that work. So, if they don't stop this week, I'll I'll take the fantasy points with uh, Shake and Bake. Yeah, you know, just to touch on a couple of the guys you had, uh, both mentioned there, you know, Adam, you mentioned kind of not taking Ottawa guys too often. That's a thing with fantasy where you can kind of get an edge is a lot of people look at a bad football team and say, well, no, I'm not going to go that direction. But you can get a lot of value by going there when other people aren't. You know, the Ticats have been bad this season. But how often has a guy like Tim White hit in the fantasy value, right? Because you can find the go-to receiver on a bad team. They're still going to pass the ball. They're still going to put put up the points. And uh, you can do that. Whereas, you know, if you're spending, you know, almost $10,000 on, say, a BC receiver where they've got four or five guys in there, well, you always run the risk of which one's going to be the big day or who's going to be the odd man out there. So, I think there's value in looking at some of these other teams that are, you know, uh, less regarded as explosive offenses necessarily. If you can find the right piece from them, uh, you guys mentioned, uh, Trey, you mentioned Dalton shown there as well. Yeah. We talked about him a little bit earlier also of a, of a guy that, uh, you know, even though he hasn't gotten the targets, he's still averaged 10 points in the last couple of weeks, but that's very touchdown dependent. So that, that scares me a little on Dalton shown. To, to go touchdown dependent there. If he can get back to the volume though, and maybe that's the week for it, uh, that makes me feel a little more safe because that's kind of where I go for when I look at wide receivers is I go for the big volume. And that's why my number one guy I'm looking at this week is once again, Malik Henry of the Calgary Stampeders. It's clear he's Jake Mayer's go-to guy. He's at, uh, you know, three touchdowns a couple weeks ago in Winnipeg last week. Yeah, they didn't connect very often, but he was one of the most targeted guys in that Calgary offense, and he's facing that Elks defense that still has so many question marks at defensive back. So I like Malik Henry as the go-to option there at 77.62 is his price. Uh, Looking at other potential plays here as we scroll through the list, it's a tough week with those rematches, guys. I I really struggle with a lot of the plays, you know – I honestly, the next pick I went for, as I'll scroll down to the cheaper section here, I went with a bit of a a value sleeper play here, and that's wide receiver Dylan Mitchell of the Edmonton Elks, who put up 70-something yards. He did a couple punt returns as well. He had a big touchdown last week. That receiving corpse is thin for for Edmonton there, and maybe he's the guy, much like Jalen, I think it was Jalen Tolliver, did down the stretch for Edmonton last season who came in and lit it up and was a fantasy dynamo at, at a cheap price. So give me Dylan Mitchell. I'll take that stack with uh, Taylor Cornelius and give that a shot this week. And other than that, I, I I'm scrolling through the list of receivers and probably if I'm going cheaper at running back, have a lot of money left over here for one of these guys. So maybe I go Jalen Acklin, see if he can replicate what he did last week against uh you know, with together with Nick Arbuckle at $8,030. I don't know which BC to receiver to take, and I'm scared to take the wrong one. So I may stay away from that. 
But you mentioned Trey, Nick Dembski gets involved every single time, it seems, against the Riders through the run game, through the pass game. He's expensive at 84-19, but may take a chance on Dembski this week at receiver. And then we move over to the defensive side of the ball where BC is the most expensive at 43-89. Calgary, 42-66. Toronto, 38-62. 37-83 is Ottawa. And then everybody else, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Montreal, and Edmonton are at 3,200. Uh, let's start with you here, Trey. Which defense are you looking at this week? For the W. Just simple, for the W, man. I think the, it's hard to go against the team in one of these big rivalry games. And, uh, yeah, we'll just go with the Bombers and see if they can pick up another triple-tipped interception to end the game. Adam, you? I think I'm going to go with Saskatchewan. I don't know why. Just because Trey had to go and give the little W sign, maybe. But probably egg me on a little bit. No, honestly, you know what? I think Saskatchewan there has had a few weeks that they've been just kind of average. I think Anthony Lanier is going to be back this week, which is a big pressure guy, as DT pointed out last week uh, to us. So I think that if he's back, I might go with Saskatchewan. If he's not back, I might switch yet. We don't know. I might even go with... uh, Calgary, just because I think I'll have some extra money laying around. And I really do like the Stamps uh, defense up against the Edmonton Elks. I'm uh, I'm going away from this Banjo Bowl matchup, and I'm going to the Battle of Ontario, Toronto, and Ottawa as the two teams I have my eye on. Toronto's, uh, you know, served me pretty well the past couple of weeks. I'm banking on a couple more Jamal Peters interceptions here. Uh, they've been making the big plays and they've been paying it off, uh, more, you know, at least half the time. Yeah. Sometimes you get a bust, but pretty much any defense you do, but when they're on their game, they're, they're putting up big totals maybe, you know, Nick Arbuckle, the, that Ottawa offense, can they do it three games in a row? I don't know. I kind of like the Argos here, uh, in, in that this defensive matchup. And on the other side as well, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, yeah, he's thrown five touchdowns the past two weeks, but he's also thrown a fair number of picks. So uh, maybe, you know, taking a chance on Ottawa. It feels a little weird to spend more than the minimum to take the Red Blacks defense, which morally I struggle with because of, you know, their their number of down seasons in a row. But I kind of like those two defenses. They're close in price, so I'm probably going with the Argos on this one uh, again, like I did last week for my defense, of course. Make sure you check the depth charts uh, because that impacts your fantasy week. And uh, sure, you know, especially we get down to the second half of the season here where games don't start till Friday. We do these shows Wednesday night, in some cases off very limited practice injury reports. So make sure you check those depth charts because that can impact uh, definitely lineup decisions as well. As we finish off with CFL Fantasy here and move on to talk about uh, our picks against the spread in our betting segment, powered by BetStamp. BetStamp is a free online app that helps you find the best uh, best value for your online sports betting wagers. Uh, you can see the, the odds on all the different games, help you find the best one, as we will do here right away. Uh, you can learn more at BetStamp.app and uh, let them know we sent you by signing up with code uh, CFC. Uh, now we uh, send things over to resident betting expert Trey. Take us through the, uh, the the bets here of the week. Uh, oh, I lost. Hang on. Wrong thing. There we go. Awesome, boys. Yeah, the first one of the week. 
Man, this is an interesting line. This one's all over. You know, we got Cool Bet having minus two and a half uh, for BC, but then some places have it all the way up to five. But I'm going to take that Cool Bet minus uh, 2.5 BC. I think BC should win this by a field goal, um, regardless of the quarterback. They, they need to win here to keep up in the West, and I think they should win by three. Uh, Adam, what do you feel? No, I think you're right, Trey. They need this win a lot more than, well, the Montreal Alouettes desperately need a win too. Uh, not saying that they don't, but I think the BC Lions know that with uh change in quarterback, that means that they need to prove something and try to get something going for momentum going into some big divisional games coming up. So to me, I'm going to go with the BC Lions, negative two and a half. Uh, yeah, they should win this by more than a field goal, right, Ryan? Yeah, it's interesting. Like the other option, if we're going based on best odds here, is to take Montreal at plus five. So the Lions don't really mad up, match up here. You know, BC minus two and a half for Montreal plus five. The only way modes more games than not to stop the likes of Dominic Rhymes, Lucky Whitehead, and Brian Burnham is to take a pass interference penalty. And who's great at taking pass interference penalties? It's the Montreal Alouettes. I do not trust the discipline of this team enough to pick them uh, in this matchup against the BC team. I'm still high on. So, yeah, I'm uh, especially at, at just minus two and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take the BC Lions all day long, even though I am a little concerned about the long travel out east. But uh, I think they're good enough to overcome that. Awesome, guys. Let's go to this Super Saturday triple header. Oh, boy. I'm going to – again, this one – little closer minus one on cool bet for toronto plus two uh bet 99 for ottawa i'm gonna take the oldest franchise in north america here toronto minus one uh i i'm i'm i don't want to get burned by ottawa i want to see a little bit more out of them before i start putting too many eggs in that basket i think toronto has just established themselves a little bit more this year uh, but anything can honestly happen ryan let's go to you first on this one well, I want to take Toronto here because Ottawa is at home, but I can't trust my own gut when it comes to the Toronto Argonauts anymore. So I brought the coin back this week. It worked out for me last week. I've learned how a coin flip works, so I won't ask you to call it this time, Trey. Uh, let's go. Uh, the Bombers Grey Cup champion side is going to be the Toronto Argonauts because they're first place team in the division. And the at the 90th, uh, 90 seasons is going to be the Ottawa. So I'll flip the coin now and hope it doesn't go crash landing onto my desk. And uh, I am taking the Toronto Argonauts. So I am very happy that the coin and I align and uh, I will take the Argos in this game. No, Ottawa at home scares me. And I think despite them playing better, I really like that Argos defense right now, guys. Uh, and McLeod Bethel Thompson is heating up in the touchdown department. So give me the Argos at minus one here, Adam. Well, I don't know about this one here. I want to take the uh, or take the Ottawa Red Blacks really badly because Nick Arbuckle has looked okay. Uh, they've got some receivers that are okay. Devontae Dedman now has uh, had a few weeks to also settle in with the playbook uh, with Ottawa. And their defense has looked okay. Uh, actually looked pretty good against the, uh, well, undisciplined Montreal team. I don't know. I, I The curse of Ottawa of uh, Lansdowne Park seems to be a thing. So I don't know which way to say this. Uh, I almost wish I had a coin, but I don't. So I think I'm going to go with Ottawa. What the heck? Two plus two. We're going to go with Ottawa. I got to be a little different and try to catch you guys somehow. 
because, you know, both of you guys are the leader and I got to catch up somehow. So I'm going to catch up on Ottawa. That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. For people uh, wondering me and me, we have Ryan tied me in overall standings and uh, Adam, you're just minus two back. So a lot of season left, a lot of season left, but let's go on to the, the game that's most important to the three of us. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, this line. I begged for this line to change today, but I got to do it. I'm going to take the minus seven and a half on cool bet. It's probably not, I, I it's, it, this is, <laughs> I'm going to take it and I will own it if it's wrong. And I will, you know, definitely own it if it's wrong. But if it's right, I think, uh, I think Adam's got some reading to do next week on air, right? So uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm going to take the minus seven and a half. Adam, what do you think? Oh, I think that's an excellent decision for you. You should definitely take the negative seven and a half. You know what? I've I've been debating this one a little bit in all honesty because I know how the Saskatchewan Rough Riders play in Winnipeg. And traditionally, that's usually terrible. So I think that maybe the team will get more unified because now they've made a decision that, okay, penalties aren't going to be accepted anymore. Maybe that'll help Saskatchewan. It could hurt Saskatchewan. We seen last week uh, Montreal got, I think, affected by what they did. So I don't know what to say on this one. It's too big of a spread for me, really. But I think I'm going to take the Rough Riders at seven and a half, uh, just because I think that they probably, I don't know if they'll win by a touchdown or over a touchdown, but I'll say they'll cover that anyways and uh, go from there. So uh, Ryan? Are you coming over to be a Rough Rider fan for life now or just for that one game? Well, I, fan is a very strong word. Somebody who picks in their direction because I think it's a smart move is probably the more correct uh, association for that. Uh, yeah, you know, burn me at the stake at IG Field uh, once again this week because I got to go Saskatchewan with that seven and a half. Much much like Adam, I don't know if the Riders win this game, but big spreads scare me. I got burned by that Calgary-Edmonton one last week. I know that was 12 and a half or whatever it was, but I don't like the big spreads, especially when I think the game is close. Home and home series are tough, and uh, that Riders wide receiver core is deep when they're all healthy, and Frankie Hickson is uh, quite the running back there, so... Winnipeg's had a lot of sloppy, close wins this season. I could see this being another one. Uh, I'll, I'll take the riders to at least cover the, the seven and a half points here. One of us, one of us. <laughs> Never. All right, let's go into the finale here. Another big spread. I said, screw it. And I took Calgary. I already put my bets up on bet stamp today. I said, screw it and took the minus six or minus uh, nine. Sorry. I know it's probably the wrong choice. It's just another one I'm hard on betting on Edmonton. I'll t I'll risk it. I'll risk it, and we'll go minus nine. Uh, Ryan, uh, what do you think? Oh no, not again! Not another big spread here. Like, ah, uh, Edmonton performed well last time. Now they're at home. Can they actually put it together at home? Uh, what a week it would be to finally get their first home win. By the way, especially with Calgary coming to town. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep taking the the home. I'm gonna keep taking the team to cover the big spread here because uh, I feel like that gives me more of an opportunity to potentially get this right. So I'm gonna go with the Elks here at plus ten. They played close last week. They showed me some good things there, 
I think they've had a few good games over the past number of weeks still. Uh, I'm the one buying in on Taylor Cornelius as the fantasy pick, so I'll put my money where my mouth is, so to say, there and take the Elks to at least cover 10 points here uh, with that plus 10 from Bet99. Adam? I don't know on this one anymore. The Stampeders are uh, definitely the better team. I mean, let's face it, they've got the better offense, they've got the better defense, they've got the best... Uh, quarterback out of the two. They've got the best receiving or uh, running core back core out of the two. They should win this game by more than a touchdown. They should be a two score game. I would think that being said last week wasn't, and that concerns me, and it's, but they're also playing in Edmonton where Edmonton can't buy a win. It seems like lately. Ah, I think I'm going to go with Calgary on this one. The only reason being is, I think that Jake Mayer wants to prove that, hey, we aren't going to play down to the poor teams. We're going to play up to the better teams. So if he does that, they come out with a little bit of fire in their belly. I think if they can get off to a really hot start, like they were aiming to do at first in Calgary. I mean, they got the first uh, touchdown off the first possession. And then all of a sudden they decided to go and have a nap for two quarters and wake up in the third. So I don't know. But to me, I think Calgary probably will get off to a better start in this one. I just don't know what to say about Edmonton. I don't have much faith in Taylor Cornelius. I don't have faith in their running back in Brown. I just don't have any faith in really Edmonton right now. Although I'm kind of now thinking about your Dalton Mitchell pick. So, you know, that was actually probably a pretty good one. I might just pick him up yet because he's cheap. But in betting, no, I'm going to go with Calgary this week. Awesome, guys. That concludes it. And, you know, yeah, make sure to check us out on BetStamp. Uh, we put all our consensus picks. And you can follow me as well on the Marketplace. And I also put some NFL picks up there with 16 games this week. I uh, did four parlays of four games. So check that out. I'm pretty excited. And Ryan's got his NFL taste of fantasy football, too, coming up. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on South of the Border, too, this week. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be a good week, guys. Good week indeed. Lots of football, a fun week of CFL rivalry games once again here uh, for week number 14. That does it for our week 14 preview show. We've gone through the storylines. We've gone through the fantasy. We've gone through our uh, picks against the spread here as well. So uh, let's take a look at what's coming up next on the podcast. Well, Monday night, we'll be back. To recap everything from week number 14 in the CFL, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan, adjust your time zones accordingly. You know, speaking of which, once daylight savings time comes again, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to reconfigure my mind because won't they be the same time, uh, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan again after next daylight savings time? Whose idea was this thing, this daylight savings time? But uh, yeah, you can uh, you can find on Twitter also and Facebook uh, our show times always there as well. Uh, and then Wednesday night we'll be back to preview week number fifteen in the CFL here uh, next Wednesday night, same time, same place, uh, live on all of the different platforms: YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. Uh, just search the Canadian Football Countdown on any of those, and that's all made possible by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. But you can learn more about at Facebook.com/slash Game Time TV MB. You want to follow us on social media? You can find the podcast uh, on Facebook and Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well at CF Pod Network. Uh, guys, where can people find uh, what you're all up to this day? These days, uh, let's start with you, Adam. 
Well, you can find me at Adam Stewart One. Most times I'm posting stuff about farming and farming accessories, I guess, is the way of saying it right now, to, to quote Hank Hill. Uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to be probably busy on the farm like always uh, this week. I'll be listening to the banjo bowl, very likely in a tractor or in a combine or in a swather. And of course, when the riders win it, we're going to have Ryan lead the parade because he's now our new adopted uh rider uh appreciative guy so we'll go with that uh yeah you can see me at adam steward one you can also see some of my stuff on instagram at uh farmer in sask and of course you'll be able to catch the parade live when we do that with ryan leading the parade in a combine or something i don't know for for the misinformation he is spreading this will be adam's final appearance on the podcast we thank him for his services (laughs) no of course i'm kidding I'm kidding, uh, but uh, nope, won't be leading any parades anytime soon. Uh, Trey, how about you? Where can people find you on social media? Oh, you can find me at Trey MB Harness on Twitter. Uh, school just started, so I get a little bit more quiet on there. Uh, my horse racing season's done, but I still try to keep up with everything going on over the winter. And plus football, man, I'll be probably all NFL, all CFL. All Blue Jays, let's see if they can keep it going. Any sports, man, anything, UFC, all that. New Star Wars show coming out on Disney+. Plus. So anyone want to talk about that, I'm always down. Uh, at Trey MB Harness, guys. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, at CooperTrooper42. Uh, Chris in the chat is asking, does Ryan have an NFL team now? I don't. Uh, my NFL team is my fantasy team, pretty much. And uh, I got a couple Denver Broncos on there, so maybe I'm leaning towards the Broncos here. Uh, I don't know. I'm high on the Russell Wilson to the Broncos uh, this year, so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, hey, I just got one question also, Trey. Uh, my Cleveland Browns, they're definitely going to be Carolina this week, right? I mean, they don't have any quarterback of any use over there, I don't think, do they? No, just the guy that got traded by them for no, like for a guy who can't even play, right? You know, so I think... Uh... I think Mayfield's the, would be the starter, right? So I think uh, I took Carolina. If you check my bets down, minus two, man, minus two for Carolina. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Sure, that Cleveland will have absolutely no problem with uh, generic third string quarterback, in which nobody even I don't think knows his name. You know, I Chris think there's the a guy in a pra- there's a guy in a practice roster in New York that I think could uh, could do something. <laughs> Why do you have to bring him up every time? I just, I, what is it with this guy? Because he wore a Buffalo suit while carrying a gray cup? I mean, come on. Like. If uh, you were a Buffalo suit while carrying the gray cup, we'd be pitching you for a, a quarterback role on an NFL roster as well, Adam. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, but yeah, still open to bribes from any NFL franchises that want me to join their fandom. I do have a decent sports track record of championship victories, uh, four of the last five times uh, of CFL and NHL. So uh, yeah, I'll take bribes. I'm a sellout. Real quick, Denver's not a bad choice. I think they have some weird stat to where twice before a quarterback comes over there late in their career and then they win a Super Bowl. Uh, Peyton Manning was the last one. So, no. I mean, if you look at that record, it's not a bad choice. They have a good team. A lot of people are high on Buffalo this year. I'm interested in what they do out out there. And uh, and the NFC can never count out Tom Brady, right? So, it should be another good season. Have a lot of good football. Although, one thing, that AFC West is going to be an absolute murderer's role. 
that's true too because you got Mahomes and Herbert and you can, and Vegas isn't actually that bad either, right? So that division, they're gonna beat each other up, man. It's gonna be really good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm hoping to to get more invested in the NFL this season. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. I tell myself that every year. I think this year is going to more so be the year. And uh, you guys got to help me stay tuned into that. Uh, keep chatting NFL with me as well. I uh, keep chatting CFL CFL fantasy over on Twitter as well. Again, you can find me at Cooper Trooper Forty Two. Make sure you also check out uh, our good friend Mike uh, at at Mike Garrell. Uh, a lot of hockey, local uh, hockey seasons here in Manitoba are starting up right now, which means he's going to be pretty busy with all of that. Uh, so you can find everything he's got going on over there as well. Uh, thanks for everybody for hanging out with us here tonight. We always appreciate the comments in the live chat. We appreciate anybody who tunes in uh, live or after the fact. Uh, and as always, we appreciate if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. And on behalf of our panel here this evening, Trey and Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.